Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you the insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Tim Keady to discuss the whole subject of joining new lambs. It's a topic of relevance to many sheep producers this year, and we start with Tim presenting results from some of the studies he's conducted in Atmarai on joining new lambs. We discussed the effects of new genotype and way to join in on new productivity. And Tim outlined some of the key aspects of mating management, including time of joining, duration of the joining period, and use of the ram effect. We move on to discuss the impact of lamb and new lambs at one year old on the performance when they lamb at two years old and subsequently. Finishing up, Tim highlights the need to correctly manage these old lambs over the coming weeks to maintain performance. We start off, however, with Tim discussing the increasing interest in joining new lambs this season, as well as some of the common practices we observe on farms. There's a, there's a big interest this year, Kieran, in uh, joining your lambs because there seems to be a good buzz in the sheep trade. The price of breeding stock has increased dramatically compared to other years, both for rams and also for your lambs and uh, ewes. As you know, the uh, replacement rate in the national flock is approximately 22%. One of the main costs in lowland sheep production is the price of replacements, and there's two ways of reducing the cost of replacement. Either uh, increase the number of lambs you produces per litter, or increase our lifetime productivity by joining her as a your lamb with the objective of having an extra litter before she's called out of the flock. It's probably something that's often overlooked. It is quite a cost bringing replacements back into the flock. And as you indicated there, if you join them as your lambs, you are reducing that cost of carrying them over for the year. That's right, yeah. I, and also when we do talk about cost, we estimated on average across the lowland sheep production and sheep sector in Ireland that the average cost of a replacement coming into the, the flock at 18 months of age is equivalent to 25% of the lamb carcass that she will produce during her lifetime. So take an example, for every lamb that is sold for 100 euros, 25 euros of that has already gone to the cost of getting the mother into the flock at the age of 18 months for the first joining. And like, the strange thing with young lambs is we see a lot of different practice on farms. Some will consistently join nearly every young lamb every year. Some will join a proportion of them. Some join for a limit period. And others, it depends on how well the young lambs have developed from year to year. Yes, it is. Yeah. And uh, people do it because they want to increase the number of lambs they have for sale next autumn. They do it because they think that their young lambs are in a fit condition to join. But also it has to do with where people are sourcing and purchasing their replacements. In a survey that we undertook there recently, we've seen that only 48% of lowland replacements are homebred animals. That means 52% are purchased. And out of people that are purchasing replacements, 11% purchase only your lambs. Uh, 27% will purchase hoggets and the rest will purchase a mixture of your lambs and hoggets. So that gives you an indication that some people that are purchasing your lambs are purchasing with the intention of putting them into lamb. Also, breeding your lambs is a way is a is a fast way of increasing your flock size and productivity, and to hit the road running. So, for those that are considering doing or those that have done every year, look, there's a number of factors that will influence output in it. I suppose, Tim, maybe we start firstly, like selecting them replacements that are suitable to join. What are your couple of key criteria we need to look at? Yeah, breeding your lambs can be very rewarding in terms of uh, profitability. However. It has to be done correctly, and there's a lot of good management involved in it. There are two key aspects that uh, when you're breeding, when you're selecting uh, replacements, be they for hoggets or your lambs, well, the key one is your genotype. 
and that will affect the number of lambs rear per you joined. And ideally, you'd be selecting um, a prolific animals uh, genotypes with the objective of increase of improving of producing large litter size. From a ewe lamb point of view, the second important thing is weight. The heavier the ewe lamb, the greater the chance she is will be cycling and will go in lamb, and the greater chance she will rear them lambs when she gives birth to them. But also, you must remember that there's another thing going on in a ewe lamb relative to an adult ewe. In a ewe lamb during mid-pregnancy and during lactation, she has to grow to reach her mature body weight, whereas mature ewes are already there. Like the, the figure typically thrown out is 60% of the mature weight. And I suppose, you put that maybe just in context, I know you've done work in this area. Like There, there is variation between the different genotypes out there. So that threshold, you often hear 45 kilos thrown out, 50 kilos thrown out. That threshold does change depending on what type of ewe lamb you're bringing in. It does. It changes, and it also changes with the type of genotype, and it also changes with the target that, yourself, that you set for yourself. We've done studies on this in Athen, right, where we looked at uh, genotypes based predominantly in Suffolk, uh, Belclare, and Belclare across Suffolk. And the reason we chose the Suffolk is that Suffolk, rep- is, Suffolk make up 55% of the ewes lo- in the lowland flock. And we picked the bags here because it's proven that it'll have high proliferacy or high litter sizes. And then we also decided to cross them. Uh, if we set a target where we want to have a 95% chance or 95% probability that the animal will rear at least one lamb, and that takes into account you litter size, takes into account lamb mortality, your mortality, burden rate, etc. In that kind of situation, a bell clear to have a probability of rearing 90 have a 90% probability of rearing a, a lamb. A bell clear would want to be 48% adjoining. A bell clear across Suffolk would want to be 51 kilos adjoining. And a Suffolk, predominantly Suffolk animal, would have to be 60 kilos adjoining to have a 90% chance of rearing at least one lamb. Now, if we change our, our, our target down to 80% chance, probability of rearing one lamb, the bell clear would have to be 43 kilos. The bell clear across Suffolk would have to be 46 kilos and the Suffolk cross would still have to be 53 kilos. So what that is telling us that um, in terms of proportion of mature body weight, the bell clear would be about 63%, and the Suffolk would have to be about 72% to have a 90% probability. And to have an 80% probability, the bell clear would have to be 56% of, of its mature live weight, and the Suffolk would have to be 64% of its mature live weight. So live weight is the key driver of uh, productivity and the ben- potential benefits uh, uh, is of the pro- productivity and the potential outcomes of breeding your lambs. So look, it, it, it goes without saying, obviously they need good management from now until the period you're going to join. And there's probably no harm at this point to make an assessment of how close they are to it. And you know, do they need a little bit of extra attention to achieve them target weights? Because obviously they have a huge impact on it. Tim, like oh, the other aspect that comes in that whole mate management, whether it be time of joining, period of joining, and other factors such as the ram effect to maybe improve your chances or improve your pregnancy rate in the mule lambs. Maybe just for a few moments, will you take us through some of them key issues? Yes, Kieran. In terms of time and joining, firstly, that depends on your own flock and labor, your own flock situation and labor supply. Some farmers like to lamb the old lambs after the main flock of lambs. The disadvantage is you have a very protracted lambing period. There's a lot of uh, labor required and it can be getting very tiring and you may uh, lose focus towards the end of the old lambs and have losses. Some people like to lamb them in the middle or into this uh, last third of the main flock. I mean, the advantages here is that the lambing pins will be beginning to be vacated by the main flock. 
you still have a, uh, got a lot of herding going on in the shed or a lot of supervision at night and you can take the two flocks in together. But more importantly, it shortens your lambing period. If you want to adopt lambs from the ewe lambs on Tadley Joes, you still have opportunities. You can wean all the animals approximately on the same day, main weaning day, and it gives the ewe lambs an opportunity during the dry period to build on, put on condition and get ready for joining at 18 months of age. You asked there about mating management. Uh, mating management, I would recommend the ram effect, particularly for small flocks. And the advantage of the ram effect is that all lambs will have an overt estrus during the first 17 days of the breeding cycle. Normally, if you just take your lambs that haven't been exposed to a ram, maybe 60% of them may only express an overt estrus during the first uh, 17 days. Consequently, you're going to protract your lambing period or you're going to reduce the number of lambs that are going to become pregnant if the rams are reduced are removed after a set period of time. So by all means, I would use the ram effect. So it's also recommended if using the ram effect that you should have the animals out of sight and smell of the adult rams for at least a, a month in advance. But I wouldn't be too worried about that. My objective is to make sure that the yo lamb will cycle at least once during the, join, during the first 17 days of the joining period. If they're all cycled together, it puts a lot, an awful lot of lambing during a short period of time, where if they cycle different times, then it spreads it out. If you want to do the ram effect and to be very effective at it, you have to introduce a, a, a mature, an adult ram with the lambs. And, and what we would do is we'd put an apron on the ram, let them out with them for 24 to 48 hours. So we put them out on day one, we take them back on day two, on day 14, we let out the mature, fertile, the fertile rams. With, we let out fertile rams with the old lambs. And the objective of letting them out at day 14 is if there's any animals already in cyclicity, the ram will pick them up. Normally, you don't expect cyclicity to occur for 17 days. Your main mating period will occur on day 19. You'll have another big peak in, in, uh, in mating at day 23. And what we found that in our studies at Athenry, we got 62% of the old lambs to lamb in a two-week period, and we got 84% to lamb in a three-week period. So by the, that shows that the ram effect will definitely compact your lambing season and get a lot of your lamb lambed in the first two to three weeks. Also, it means that if you extend the joining period for an extra week, that you'll get a lot of the lambs coming back and being bred during uh, the first during days uh, during the first week during the week. The fourth week of the breeding period. Okay, so you, you're basically you're giving us a chance to <clears throat> improve your pregnancy rate by doing a very simple measure in that case. Yes, it's very simple. Uh, it's good management, but all good things have consequences, and a lot of people are very happy to say that they got all their lambs uh, marked or bred in a very short period of time. The consequences are that if you have a very compact breeding season, you're going to have a very compact lambing season. So that means a lot of lambs, will, a lot of these yaws will lamb in a short period of time. So you have to make sure that you have labour available, but more importantly, you've got facilities such as lambing pins. And it may, that a yaw lamb may require an extra day in the lambing pin relative to a, to a, a mature yaw. So then more lambing pins will be required. Also, during the breeding season, you will require more lambs if, if, the, if the females or if the yaws are all coming mating at the same time. And we would reckon that somewhere in the region, during, in a properly done ram effect situation, you would require some in the region of one ram per 25 to talk to ewes. So you have to have enough rams on supply. And again, look, there is that practical implication that come next spring, if you had adverse weather, 
you have to be prepared to deal with extra EOs inside, particularly EO lambs that will require more attention. That's right, yeah. Tim, you mentioned earlier about the different genotypes and we know more prolific sheep but clear cross ones will tend to have higher litter sizes. You looked at that in a wee bit more detail in that study in that way. How big of an effect was there between changing the different breeds? Okay, in terms of genotype, uh, Kieran, we found in our, uh, over two years, we found in our studies at Athen Rye that the bell clayers reared uh, 1.2 lambs per ewe, per ewe lamb joined. The bell clayer cross Suffolk reared 1.1 and the Suffolk reared 0.8 lamb per ewe lamb joined. We also found that these lambs did well. Uh, after, they were good mothers, and at weaning, the Belclare lambs were 29 kilos, the Belclare cross Suffolk were 32 kilos, and the predominantly Suffolks were 31 kilos. And to cut a long story short, uh, these lambs were all killed at a 20.5 kilo carcass weight, and they were all slaughtered prior to the end of the grazing season from a predominantly grass-based system, and the average age of slaughter was 195 days. Tim, just something else again, constantly talk about output there from them. And obviously, it's something we might discuss in a later podcast management of ewe lambs after lambing to achieve high output. But question will frequently come up is what is the impact of mating a ewe lamb at, to lamb at one year old versus leaving her dry to hog it on you know, performance in the second year, but maybe overall lifetime output from that ewe lamb? Yeah, you're dead right, uh, Kieran. That is a question we're often asked. Does producing a litter at one year of age affect your your performance when lambing at two years of age? And the simple answer to that is it depends on how you manage them. If you've got good management, treat the new lamb that is rare, that is pregnant, treat her well. Uh, treat, treat her under good, good grassland management when she's reared in her lamb and manage her well from weaning until joining at 18 months of age. Our studies have found that the yo lambs that reared a litter of lambs was only two kilos lighter at joining at 19 months of age. Uh, during the subsequent uh, breeding season, when lambing at two years, the, whether they had produced a lamb or not at one, as a yo lamb, it had no negative effect on litter size, no negative effect on the number of lambs reared per yo joined, no effect on lamb birth weight, but the ones that had previously reared a ewe lamb, their progeny were about 0.5 of a kilo heavier at weaning. Also, there is some circumstantial evidence to show that when, as a hoggard, if they've previously reared a ewe lamb, they're far better mothers than those that haven't reared a ewe lamb. Just like the, the one other aspect of that, that will be asked is, do you need to keep a few more replacements each year on the basis that, look, you're likely to cull more during that first year's lambing? That that that's a, that is a question that's asked, and I can only go by the evidence that we have from our uh, study at Athenry, and we found from our study at Athenry when we're joining them at eighteen months of age, we joined similar amounts. But that is year dependent as well, and it can be dependent or not whether you hit mastitis in poor weather conditions. So you may have to keep one or two percent extra. It's going to be a seasonal effect in that case. Like the other point of that that comes in, and you touched on the weight issue earlier, there will be a number of producers out there that will tend to join lighter ewe lambs or potentially lamb them later in the season. Now, lambing later in the season might be slightly different, but is there a risk of putting light ewe lambs to the ram this year? Will it, ha- yes. will it have a bigger impact on the performance or management even of, of them ewe well, lambs next year lambing? There's a risk in the two strategies that you're after saying. If you decide to delay at putting light your lambs in lambs so they put on a bit of weight, you must remember that they're going to be lambing late next spring. 
they're going to be basically a separate group of animals on your farm. They're going to take extra t- t- time and care at lambing or extra hours when you could be doing another job. They'll be younger at weaning, or if you let them go on to be 100 days of weaning, the, the mothers will have a, a, sm- a shorter period to regain body condition to lamb down at two years, and that may have a negative effect. If you talk about put, uh, putting lambs in lamb earlier on, It'll all depend on how you manage them during the pregnancy and during their lactation. But ideally, if you want to have success at it, then I would be trying to have them at about 60% of the mature body weight. However, if the farmers are good and have experience in this, they can come down to maybe 55% mature body weight and still be very successful without any negative consequences. Again, one clear thing from it is there's a lot of management needed in the next couple of weeks that will have a big impact on the output from that flock for the coming year. Yeah, that if you're thinking about uh, mating these use an- these animals as your lambs, they should be getting preference for grass on the farm at the moment so that they're gaining good levels of live weight. And you'd like these animals to be gaining anywhere from up to about 180 to 200 grams per day with good autumn grassland management. Also, I think during the mating period, they should be maintained on good grass. And during pregnancy, they've got to have access to high levels of energy intake. So that's very high quality grass silage with, and possibly some supplementation. And we can discover, we can discuss pregnancy management in greater detail in a subsequent podcast. Certainly do, because they're still growing. Tim, as always, thank you. Thank you, Kieran. Okay, we'll finish up at this point. Again, there is an increased interest this year in joining new lambs. And when managed correctly, it is a useful way of increasing productivity from the flock, but it needs correct management. I think Tim outlined some key ways to increase that output from the flock and improve your chances, but he did stress the importance for good management, and that is essential. We will catch up with him in a later podcast to discuss mid and late pregnancy nutrition, and its particular importance with relevance to your lambs. I would like to thank him again for giving up his time to be with us and offering his insights on the subject. That's it for me. Again, for many updates on the programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chalker Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to future episodes.